listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning, New Chapel. Y'all doing all right? Are you excited about the series FAQ? Are you excited about that? Yeah. Now, let me tell you why I'm excited about a series like this. This is not some popcorn snappy Pastor Joe series that I've had just like in the can for 12 months, ready to go. This is a series because of where we're at as a church. We have people that are coming out of the world. They're finding church for the first time in their life, and they have real questions. We have people that are coming into church, and they're looking at culture and society, scratching their head like, how did this happen? I have real questions about the state of the world, and chiefly is like, Jesus coming back in September. I just want to know if you give me a straight answer. And, and so uh, we'll, we'll do our best in the series, uh, but that's what the series is all about. It's about the frequently asked questions that we have, and it's, it's about what's going on in our world today. Uh, I love the fact that today is going to be answering the question, Pastor Joe, how do I deal with difficult people? Um, let me tell you why it's really funny to me. Uh, we, uh, we, we got all of these questions from you last week. We did our annual Easter survey, and you put down the questions and things that interested you about the Bible, about your faith, things that you wanted to know more about. Awesome. What's funny about that is, I mean, overwhelmingly, one of the top things was how do I deal with difficult people and family members, and you were sitting next to them when you, when you marked that little box, and so, so maybe you were talking about later at Easter and your crazy cousin that is always upset that we have ham and whatever, but, but I think it's kind of fun because I really think you were sitting next to them, and, and what we want to do is, is help you with that, and let me also say Difficult people, it's not just your extended family. Maybe, uh, those of us in the room, it wasn't Easter that we had to wait to be around them. You're like a PhD on being around your family and it being difficult because of the lockdown last year. And you're like, hey, how do I deal with this? Because I kind of just checked out. I still think it's like last year, you know? And so I want to help you with that. But if all of that fails with family and difficult relationships, let me just say, you are going to have a coworker. You are going to have a boss. You are going to encounter someone in government who is very difficult. And what I want to do as a shepherd is bring you to a spot of green pastures and still waters. And with that being said, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to the book of 2 Timothy. Difficult people. Who are we talking about when we say difficult people? I, I, I was just trying to think of this like a working definition and uh, I, I, I don't know if this is narcissistic, but I'm going to quote myself on this. Go ahead and throw that up there, guys. This is a difficult person. Anybody different than me. And I quoted myself on that. <laughs> you, you feel the same way, by the way. You're not so removed from this. It doesn't have to be the fact that someone else is so difficult. Sometimes they're just different. I found out a long time ago that God's kids fight. Sometimes they're just different than me. The people have ways, you know what I'm saying? Ways of doing things and ways of getting things done. I said this first service, it was so funny. I'm just going to break my arm, pat myself on the back, but I said something pretty controversial. I'll follow it up, but I said, women have a hard time living with one another. 
There's some men, and you're just looking forward right now. You're not even moving because you, you don't want to confirm or deny that truth. Why? Because this woman has her way of being a homemaker, and that one's wrong, you know? And, and, and conversely, it's difficult for men to live together. Different reasons, though. It's more like who ate the bread, you know? But, but we have different ways, and, and sometimes it's difficult people. Sometimes it's a difficult situation, but it's really anything different than the way that you would do it. And me being a person who is right, I understand that more than most. And so <laughs> Jesus also had to deal with difficult people. His parents argued about where he should spend his time. Uh, Jesus had to deal with the church down the street, casting shade on him, talking smack about him. The Pharisees, if you will, were talking about him. He grew up with brothers and sisters. Mary didn't remain a virgin. She and Joseph consummated and had other children. And, uh, I mean, his, his brothers, we know, did not accept him at first. They did not believe that he was the Son of God. Pause. By the way, how much faith would it take for you to believe that your brother is the Messiah? I don't know. Don't be so hard on him. I'm just saying. The town that Jesus grew up in did not support the purpose that he had in his life, and his followers were constantly arguing about who was going to have status, who was going to have position in the coming kingdom. In fact, I love one quote from Jesus. I didn't put it in your notes, but he says, how long do I have to be with this wicked and perverse generation? And let me just give you the translation from parents of four. How long we got to do this? This is a lot, you know? I'm not saying our kids are difficult, but kids are difficult. Amen, somebody? Any parents just want to give me some snaps for that one? Like, wow. And so, so Jesus understood this, and I believe that the Bible has answers for these things. And so if you have your Bible, 2 Timothy, I want to start reading in chapter 2. Remind everyone, and so y'all look at me, I'm pastor, I love you, I'm just reminding you. Remind everyone to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. You know, that fight that you get in with your wife, and you're screaming at the top of your lungs, and you're filling the air with stink, you know, it doesn't just ruin you. It doesn't just do damage on her. Think about the little ears that hear. Think about, think about in the periphery, those that look up to you. It's not something that benefits you. When you get into fights over words, this is something my family was good at. I'm telling you, it does something to your soul. We discount what it does to your soul. It continues on verse 23. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments only to start fights. I'm from inner city Nuevo. That's near Hess Lake, and I have the right to say ignorant. It's ignorant. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. You're like, Pastor Joe, that's what I want to do. I want to make them a patient, you know. No. It's talking about being patient with difficult people. In the Greek there, difficult people, it would bear this out. It would say people that are harsh. Difficult people are, are people that are hard Difficult people are those that are annoying. I think all of us in the room today would say we have somebody in our life who's a difficult person. Do you have anybody like that in your life? Somebody who is an agitator. Kai and I, we call them crazy makers. It's like, why are you agitating? Why, why is this a fight? Why do we have to die on this hill? They're just meddling, you know? Or the, the, the people that are in constant competition with you. Now, in defense of young boys, young boys are competitive, but everything is competitive right now. 
and Aurelio and Salvatore, they are the worst at this. I'm telling you, it's dinner time. I'm, I'm going to eat it first. And Jack will claim victory, and he ain't won. He's got a ton of food still on his plate. They'll race to get to the dinner table, and surely one of them is going to run into the wall at the corner, perfectly pop, crack their head. I mean, it's like, but, but, but that's cute when you're four. How about your, like, 30-, 40-year-old sister? You know what I'm talking about, everybody? Competent everything. How about the false accusers or the humiliators? Like, they will throw you under the bus when you're down. Family feuds. I grew up in that show. Neglect, betrayal, rejection, backbiters, abusers, bullies, snobs, one-uppers. Oh, the one-uppers. They're so amazing. Just ask them. One-uppers. Your grumpy boss or your whiny coworker, we all have difficult people in our life. Maybe in the room you have somebody who's an ex-spouse, and they don't pay their child support, or they're putting you through the, the, the coals on, on, on having to, to have any custody with your kids, and it's just a war, and they're just difficult because they can. Or a business partner that you were all excited to go into business together and then all of a sudden you got the building and you got the office and that was the worst thing for them because they went and sat in it and that's the last thing that they did they're making sure the office furniture is down and and they just betrayed you they're not carrying their weight their their agreement maybe conversely uh, you have a business partner that left you and they took your client list with you and they ring them up and talk to them and talk pretty to try to solicit them into their thing. Wow. How about the ex-colleague who ran your name through the mud? You didn't do those things, but you haven't had the opportunity to make your name right, and if you did, it would look desperate, and they're, they're really cutting into what you're doing. A friend that gossiped about you, or maybe a relative. I mean, we're blood. We're supposed to be people. And, and you find out that after all these years, it was them talking smack about you, casting shade on what you were doing in your life. How about a coworker that's working overtime? to make your life difficult because they want the promotion and they, they want to build their happiness on the unhappiness of someone else. Difficult people. I think that's everybody in the room. We, we, have, we have somebody. And so these difficult people, there's always going to be opportunity to, to, to get into a tiff. There's always going to be situations where even just somebody's different ways, they might be a great person, but it could present a difficult opportunity for you to to try to cope in life and take ground and, and get out of this thing without, without causing damage on yourself and other people. How do we deal with those people? And oh, by the way, relationships are a huge deal. The enemy wants to attack at our relationships. Why? He wants to isolate you. He wants you to become recluse, give up on believing the best and investing the best in other people. What do we do about it? That same passage continues on. Let me continue reading. We said, be patient with difficult people, yeah? Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Pause. It's almost like the Bible's validating us. It's saying, look, it's, it's not that you're wrong. And it's not that you just need to let it go. Some people are like, oh, just let it go. That's not. Peace has to be made. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called children of God. It's not just let, live and let go. Well, time's a healer. No, 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 no. From years of counseling with people, time exploits small problems and makes the massive gaping wounds we don't even understand what we're even mad about. And so it says, gently instruct those that oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they'll learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the, here it is, 
It's the devil's trap. That's what this is. Wow. For they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants to do. Well, let me just flip the script on you. If they're a crazy maker and they're pulling you into that drama, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in, you know. Come on, Godfather Part 2? We need to have a movie night at the church. I don't know. Somebody help a brother. But anyway, <laughs> these people are, are out there. They're being crazy makers, and, and, and they pull you into the fight. Now, here's what happens, gang. If they're being influenced by the enemy and they've fallen into his trap, but then you're going along with the useless argument, well, haven't you too? Haven't you gone along with the drama? Haven't you become a person who's now chasing whatever the enemy was trying to do? It's useless, right? It's not going anywhere. And we get into small wars on social media and in family circles to try to prove we're right and prove our point. And, and, and listen, the Bible says you can gently do it, perhaps they'll be won over. I'm going to tell you, not everybody sees the light, and that's okay. And so what we need to do as Christians is, is, is realize that we can't chase after the, the dysfunction, the argument that a, that a crazy maker, that a difficult person is bringing up, because then we're putting out fires for the enemy instead of starting fires that he needs to put out himself. And so here's what I found. Write this down. The cause of people problems is always sin, shame, and selfishness. It's always, and I'll show you this in a minute, because you're not resolved. If you get upset about something and you have words, and man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I almost consider not even answering this question because I don't even know if I feel qualified, but like, I've stunk up a room with my mouth. You know what I'm talking about? I've done damage. And when you do those type of things, it's because you're not resolved. You know what I'm talking about, Everybody? And we've got to get on the same page with what God has for us because if we're honest, if that's true, that means that there's times where we're the problem. Or maybe they're not as difficult as we thought. Maybe we're going through something. A couple thoughts today, and then I want to pray for us. Um, we can't control how difficult people act to us, but what we can do is control how we react. We can either be people that curse it, get upset about it, spit at the ground, nurse it. Those are the people that have a chip on their shoulder the rest of their life, and they say they forgave, but they really have not forgiven at all. You could be somebody that rehearses it, and that's me. I end up, who else in the room, you get into an argument with somebody, and then you think about all the things you should have said. Anybody else in the room, I should have told them, I would have got them. Show them. Joe, you're talking to yourself again. What? You know? <laughs> or you can be a person that makes the decision to reverse it, and that's the idea today. So uh, my wife's family was in ministry, and the church that I rededicated my life to Christ at, uh, her dad was the family pastor there. And I was very attracted to Kaya. I mean, what a pure, sweet girl. Oh, my gosh. It was just like, you know, I don't think Kaya watched an R-rated movie until like the second year of our marriage. Like, <laughs> and uh, like, she was such a catch. But I was also really attracted to Kaya's family, her dad being like in the, the career field that I wanted to be in. And her mom was such an elegant and, and classy woman, very elegant. She dressed to the nines, wore all kinds of that little bling bling all over. You know what I'm talking about? Icing, had all that icing, dressed really well. Uh, she was actually an affluent person. She knew uh, the, 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 the family, um, uh, gosh, what were their names? Kai, uh, uh, Gerald Ford's family, right? Uh, his, his daughter, they were friends together. And so I was like, oh, I want to know the president's daughter, you know? And 
And so, like, like she, was, she was a very cool person and very sharp, high standards. If you know Pastor Joe, the Bevel Aquas, with high standards. I like, I like doing things the right way, you know. And, and so I was very attracted to the whole family unit. I thought they were great parents. And, of course, you got this gem guy. I'm pursuing her. Now, there's only one problem in that whole story. It's the fact that Johanna hated my guts. I'm telling you this story so that you know that pastors don't wake up and walk on clouds on our way to go brush our teeth in the morning. We, we face real things. And Johanna loved everybody but me. Now, in her defense, after having four kids now, like, I get it. I'm, I'm taking her, her eldest child away. I'm a predator to her. Like, I'm just, and, and, and I get it, especially now having a daughter. Uh, any other parents of daughters, you know what I'm talking about. I was playing with my daughter on Saturday. I'm bouncing around my leg. And how many dads, you just kind of make up songs. Like, I don't know what I'm singing. I'm just singing or whatever. And I'm singing, oh, we're going to have so much fun. And Vera's going to be a nun. <laughs> That's fun. And I'm, I'm Googling it, everybody. If there's some sort of Protestant nun, you got to let me know about it. That's where we're going because... So I, I understand what Johanna was going through now. But honestly, like, she didn't like me. And she let everybody know about it. It was not a mystery. So Kai and I, let me flash forward four years, we're together, okay? We're sitting at a Carabas in Granville having a, a New Year's like Eve dinner. It's such a wonderful thing. And somebody comes up to the table and says, oh, Johanna, it's so good to see you. And she says, oh, that's wonderful. Have you met Kaya's friend, Joe? I reached my hand across. I said, we've met before at our engagement party. That's a true story. I had been engaged to my wife now for two years, and I'm getting introduced to people as Kaya's friend. That's where we were at. Like, I was not popular, okay? It was, it was not something that was, that was, like, easy. And I'm thinking, like, aren't everybody supposed to like me, you know, in the church? Nope. <laughs> she, and she didn't even feel guilty about it. She kind of felt good. And, and <laughs> I don't know if it was purposeful or something, but, but here's what I'm saying is that there was a tension there that needed to be resolved. And she's a good person, and I'm, I'm pursuing God. I want to go to Bible college. You didn't care about that at all. And so, so these tensions have to be dealt with. How do we deal with it? Well, number one, write this down. We need to realize that you cannot please everyone. I don't know what the key to success is, but the key to failure is to try to please everyone. And we try, to, we try not to put on a big show with all of that. But, but Jesus, he actually came about this in a way that you might not expect. Because people pleasers, they don't think of themselves in this way. This is what Jesus said in Luke 17. It is impossible that no offenses should come. So if you think that you're with somebody right now and you're dating and everything's so great, and we never argue. When people tell me that and they're like, I want to get married at the church, we never argue. I'm like, uh, nope. <laughs> Let's get through a good one, you know, before we actually decide, you know. And, and because offenses will come. Well, I'm just so upset about my last church. I'm looking for the perfect church. Honey, don't go there. You're going to mess it up. You're going to mess it up. You will be offended here just like you'll be offended everywhere. That's relationship. That's, that's, not, that's just life. Offenses are going to come to all of us. And if there's anybody that was good with people, I think it's Jesus, right? Like he created them, so he should know them. And he was making the decision to first be a God pleaser. Let me read it for you out of John, uh, St. John chapter 5. 
By myself, Jesus says, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. My judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, not to please myself, myself, but him who sent me. Well, Pastor Joe, that's not my problem. I deal with with people-pleasing, not pleasing myself. Don't lie to yourself. The people that have approval addiction, the people that, that are looking for affirmation from everybody, it's about you. Don't lie and say that it's trying to make somebody else happy. It's you. It's those people that will throw their spouse and their family under the bus because their parent or their mom said something. I'm, I'm telling you, that the people pleasing, that it's an addiction to having approval. And you should really just rip the Band-Aid and accept the fact that not everybody is going to agree with what you do in life. If you can live your life like Jesus, which is really the call on all of us, and before God, you're saying, hey, I'm making the best decisions I can. With what I got, I'm following Jesus. I'm making decisions like that. And if it's wrong, I'll repent. But nobody else should have a vote in your life. If you're grown, if you're under 18, your folks should have a vote, and that's another message altogether. But if you're grown, you have, to, you have to reject this thought that you can please everyone. I've seen people that have tried to please their parents, their deceased parents. And they're living their life as though it's on a show, dancing pretty, to please a parent that is gone. Because they want that affirmation. They want everybody to think that they're good. They want everybody to pat their head and tell them they're a good boy. I'm going to tell you, if, if you're following Jesus, there should be times where the world looks at you and says what you're doing is wrong. Bank on it. Jesus said, beware when everybody loves you. Boy, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> I'm telling you that there's decisions that you're going to have to make for God that are not going to be popular, and it will rub the cat the wrong way. And as your loving pastor says, turn the cat around. Because you have to live your life before God, not before everybody else. And put your kids, your spouse, and other relationships on the altar of trying to please a personality. God has not called you to do that. You live your life. Your life is for living. It is not worth wasting it trying to please somebody else. Because I'm going to tell you, the deficiency in them is a bottomless pit. Whether they are calling for you to do that kind of activity or whether they don't even know that you're doing it. That's a whole other thing. Number two. So, so we can't please everybody. But number two, we have to refuse, refuse, write it down, to play games. We've got to refuse to do it. So I told you about James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, half because uh, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, but Joseph and Mary had kids. James was one of them. And I joked with you that how much faith would it take for you to believe that your brother is the Son of God? I mean, a lot, but James did. And I think that going through that journey in his faith walk affected James in a big way. James became a person that he's looking for the brass tacks. He wants fidelity. Tell me what's real. When you read his book, the book of James, uh, to some it sounds pretty severe. He was a gracious person for sure, but he also wanted to get the truth out there, and let's all just agree with that. So this is, this is what he says in James 4 and verse 1. What causes the fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. There's the trap. It's the fact that we're not resolved. We, we thought it was going to play out a certain way. We had expectations. We had plans. And when the plans failed, we lost our gourd. 
Or you're dealing with somebody else, and they're frustrated. They're fighting at the wind. Man, I've met people before. They were so bitter. They were just angry about nothing. And if you really got into the weeds, you find out that they had a huge lit down way earlier in their life that they were, they were totally sourcing their happiness out of, and that's no place to source happiness. And so consequently, this, this deficiency, they're not resolved, is affecting everyone else in their life. And that's what it is for you. It's the fact that you didn't get what you wanted. You know, this past six months or so, boy, I feel like writing a book and not getting what I wanted. And it can be frustrating. And for some of us, you've waged those small wars on Facebook and Insta and those other things where somebody posts something that you're like, uh, on contraire, you're wrong, you know? And you're like, you're typing it up and you're sharing memes like crazy. And, and listen, I'm not saying, you know, like me, you're probably right, but like, the problem is this, you can make a point or you can make an impact. And we end up fighting these useless battles, and it's really because we didn't get what we wanted, did we? So we're upset, we're frustrated, we're steaming, and we're going to let everybody know about it. Everybody's good. Is that how you are? When you're angry, everybody knows? Uh, I want to read it, uh, the same passage out of James 4, but it's in the message. It's not a translation. It's an interpretation. But I think it really sheds light on the sentiment that James was trying to bring across. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way. And fight for it deep inside yourselves. Oh, yeah, it starts inside first. Before everything gets all the fireworks on the outside, it's in here. You lust for what you don't have, and you're willing to kill to get it. That's strong, Pastor Joe. I wouldn't do that. Oh, you draw blood. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. Verse 3, you wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? Your spoiled children, each wanting your own way. Again, pretty quiet. But that's it, isn't it? We didn't get our way, and we are losing our mind. And we end up playing games on Facebook. We end up playing games by taunting the person that you're upset with, your ex. I'm really going to let them know. I'm going to let them know how happy I am. That'll tell them, you know. And you're just... You just, it, it's poisoning you. It's poisoning them. You're not taking ground in your purpose. God has a call on your life, and you're just, you're just acting like a spoiled child. I have a license to do this, by the way, and if you have any complaints about this message, it's bcapiello at newchapel.com. You tell all of it. <laughs> not to quote myself again, but why don't I? The lowest form of relationship is common enemy. You know, in your workplace, it's like that. You've got your people. I call it the agreement club. And the agreement club gets together, and they have one thing in common. We don't like how she works. And we're going to talk about that. Can you believe that she did that? I can't believe she did My, We have to push on her chest. She can breathe. She can't do anything. I mean, what are, we, what are we paying her for? Benefits? I should get some benefits. I should get more benefits. Put her benefits on your thing. Yeah, high five, high five, high five. The agreement club. We've canonized ourselves as saints. Some of you have come into church during this season because you're appalled at what's going on in culture. You're appalled at what some of these government leaders are doing. You think that your teenager could lead the country better, and you're right. Ha ha ha. 
You're right. <laughs> but here's what happens. You come into church and you're here because we have a common enemy. You might find some people that will resonate with that, but you won't stay. And ultimately, the journey that God's trying to initiate in your life, you'll leave. So maybe instead of just agreeing on what's wrong, what if we got on the same team with Jesus and what he's trying to do in the city? We said, you know what? If we need revival, revival's going to start with me first. It's going to start in the house of God first. We need to turn this city upside down before I start worrying about what's going on in Arizona. I'm not sure that God's called us as the church of Jesus Christ to make the discernment. I think we take ground on many fronts. But listen to me. It starts here first. So we have to do is stop playing games. Well, he said, she said, we're together. We're not going to invite her to the, oh, get a lot. Are you grown? Stop playing those games because it's quicksand when you start going down that road. And you'll all of a sudden look at yourself and you're not the person that really you thought that you were. You've, you've lowered yourself. I was talking about my mother-in-law. I'll talk about her again here in a second. But I, I told you she's a very well-adorned woman. I mean, just dressed to the T, very elegant. And elegance is looking sharp and having bling bling. That's elegant. Class is a character decision. You can have no money, no jewelry at all, but be a person that has dignity and some class about the way that you deal with things. And they might be doing you wrong, and everything in the agreement club that's being said should be agreed upon in the minutes. But you discount what it will do to your soul, and you'll become somebody that you don't like. Amen. Number three. Rise above the agitators. And let me just tell you, there are some. There are some people, they just think it's cool to mess with you. Like, they think that's their spiritual gift is to just like, hey, let's really make this person angry. And, and they're out there, and what you need to do is learn to be a person that rises above that. So the Bible was written to an agrarian culture, very agricultural. They understood uh, animals and, and plants way better than we do. And so the Bible says this in the book of Isaiah 40. Those who wait on the Lord shall mount up with wings like eagles. Ed, you actually shared this with me, uh, that when an eagle is facing a storm, they don't tuck tail and run like the other birds. How many of y'all just love the storms we've had the last couple of days? Oh, I just love a thunderstorm. Well, did you notice the birds? They're just hiding. They're just getting away as fast as they can. Eagle doesn't do that. Eagle feels the wind going against them and says, I like how that feels. They start flying toward the wind, and they actually leverage the opposition, if you will, to make it so they have to do less work, and they kite to fly up higher. Well, what happens? They both fly above the storm, but any birds that might want to use the opportunity of a storm to attack an eagle, they'll actually fly so high that the other birds can't even get to them right? They'll fly so high that all of the agitators, if you will, they're left on a different elevation and I'm going to be on a higher plane. That's what the Bible's trying to convey with that. That a Christian, a follower of God, we need to be those people that are not going to mess around with the games, but we're also going to rise above it. Now, I am a dad. I have some dad pants. I've got tube socks, the whole kit, okay? I got it with my fourth kid, okay? I'm going to make a dad joke. You want to fly with the eagles, Come on, somebody. You can't hang around with the turkeys. Look what God do, okay? Like, come on. That's, that is so dad joke to the max, but do you know what I'm saying? We've got to be people that rise above the drama in our life. And here's what I mean in specific. I could preach a whole message about this, but write it down. We need to raise some healthy boundaries. 
we need to get some boundaries going. There are people in this world who are border crossers. They will walk over your face to take your stuff. They have no regard for any kind of distance or boundary, and they don't care that it's yours. They'll take it from you. Border crossers. Do you hear what I said? And these people are not to be tolerated. They are to be dealt with. It has been a lie that Christians should not be the people to deal with people that are border crossers, that are people that take advantage. And that is a big lie. We need to be people that are known for making peace. The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You better put up some boundaries or your kids are going to hate you. Because when that loud minority comes up or that person you're trying to please starts squawking about how they should be raised or how things should be, and what happens is you lay your kids down on the altar of somebody else's personality, what happens? Ultimately, you didn't have a boundary, and your kids won't respect you. Well, they don't like it when I tell them what to do. Listen to me. Whatever happened to parenting? Now, you might have been raised in a family where you weren't shown good parenting. And I will tell you, I did not have the best example my own self. But you have to raise your kids. I tell my kids this regularly when I lay hands on them at the end of every night. I can't wait because we're going to be answering the question how to raise kids in this junk. I lay hands on my kids. I pray over my kids. And I say, you're going to have many friends in this world. You're going to have one dad, and I'm it. You've got to raise your kids. You've got to be a person that sets boundaries and that they know that what you say and how you're leading them, that that's the important thing, that that's what's going to count in the long run. Can I get an amen, church? If you're a born-again believer, God has not called you to be a pushover. Well, what would Jesus do, Pastor Joe? I'm so glad that you asked. John's Gospel, chapter 2. Jesus sees everybody acting crazy in church. What does he do? Making a whip of cords, he drove them all out. That's my life verse. <laughs> Jesus Christ goes into church. He sees people that are taking advantage of the temple. It's becoming a den of thieves. He's frustrated. And the Lord, Jesus Christ, oh, I love the Lord. He goes outside of the temple, and he takes the time to fashion a whip. Okay? What? Jesus knows how to make whips. I mean, that's a whole nother thing, like... Cool, any of them still exist. Awesome. He goes into church. I'm telling you, this spirit came on me a couple times in my ministry. It's just wham. Well, what would Jesus do? Well, making a whip and casting people out of church is not out of the question, sweetheart. It's not, it's quiet in this church again, but I'm just telling you, Jesus wasn't a pushover. Do you know he'd still be alive today if he didn't lay down his own life? They didn't kill him. They tried to push him off a cliff. He walked through the midst of them. They tried other things to try to take advantage of him, and he wouldn't let him, he would not let him do it. He readily defended himself. He defended his disciples. He sent them out to go do miracles. You can read about it in Luke. I think it's 14. He sends them out to go do these miracles, and he says, hey, come back. They come back. They're like, hey, we did all this kind of stuff. Had some issues over here. He says, hey, when you went, did you have personal protection? What do you mean? Were you armed? Uh, um, e, ooh, uh, no. He says, you go sell your tunic, go sell some stuff, you go buy something, you go be armed when you go out there. World's crazy. It's 2,000 years ago. And so they came back, and he's, they're giving another report, and he said, hey, did you get some personal protection? 
And they said, oh, yes, Lord, we got two swords. Like, this is typical, like, trying to make up for, for your poo-poo, you know. We have two swords. And he says, that's enough. You go out there with it. They're, they're den wolves. What? Jesus defended his disciples. He wasn't going to let anybody just take advantage of them. He paid them a salary. Not my message today, but Peter had a mother-in-law. What is the fun of having a mother-in-law unless you have a wife? And the Bible says if you don't provide for your own, you're worse than an infidel. They weren't a bunch of hippies going out there. Oh, they just, well, the sun man didn't have any place to hang his head. In that town, they were sleeping places, everybody. They were eating. They, were, they weren't stealing from people. And so we as the, as the people of God have to understand that God is not a pushover, and he doesn't want his people to be pushovers. Wow. I had a question several years ago, and I wanted to put it in this message because I think that it really fits. The person asking the question was asking about their dad, and their dad uh, earlier in life was a pedophile, and he was a person that he did the time, paid for the crime, he repented of it, accepted Christ, and now the person who's asking the question has kids, and they're in a, a tough spot because grandpa wants to keep the kids overnight, and the mom and dad are not feeling good about it. But grandma lost her gourd when that happened. Is that the love of Jesus? Is that real forgiveness? Is that really the love of God? Let me just tell you, you don't even know what the love of God would be if you're in that spot. Let me read for you what the love of God actually looks like right out of the Bible. Second John chapter 1. Everyone who does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Whoever even greets him takes part in his wicked works. Romans 16, 17. Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. So if there's somebody talking smack about Pastor Joe and what I'm teaching out there, you're, you're called by God. Avoid that person. I have accountability in my life, and it ain't that person running their mouth. And let me tell you another thing. Watch out for the people calling for division. They'll call you up, send you little love letters, and all they're trying to do, if the devil can't get you with sin, he wants to distract you. Well, pray for our family. How about you pray for the man of God in the house that you're at? We got our own problems going on here. Uh, I'm just... Let me just press on. 1 Corinthians 5. Now I am rating to you not to associate with anyone who is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or who is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Don't even eat with such a person. Titus 3.10. As for a person who stirs up division after warning them once and then warning them twice, have nothing to do with them. Well, Pastor Joe, is that the grace of God? Don't act like you have more grace than what the New Testament scriptures have to say. And it is. You warned him once and warned him twice. Have nothing to do with that person. So to answer the question, should the kids be allowed to go stay at grandpa's? No. Of course not. Never make your kids your faith experiment. You can forgive grandpa and you can have him around as much as you can tolerate as a parent. You don't have to either. But you can you don't have an obligation to prove your forgiveness by sending them overnight with a pedophile. You understand me? You don't be weak because here's what's happened. I, I talked about this first service. I feel it very strongly. You are coming to church. You're getting back in the swing of things. You're excited about what God's doing in your family. And you're going to find yourself in one of these useless arguments here pretty soon. In fact, because I preached it, bank on it. And here's what they're going to say. Some kind of Christian that you are 
Uh, yeah, the forgiven kind, not the perfect kind. I might be wrong, might be right. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now, but I am putting this boundary down. Well, I don't think that's very godly. I think the Lord loves it. If it rubs the cat the wrong way, come on, country church, turn the cat around. You stand for what's right. You take a stand. You have strong boundaries in your life. And here's what will happen. Not going to make everybody happy, but you'll trade popularity for respect. You'll trade popularity for respect. Now, you need to communicate your boundary. Don't just assume that everybody knows the high standards that you have for your life. It's not fair to hold somebody to a boundary that you haven't told them about. That's, that's cruel. You tell them, hey, I don't want you to talk to me in this way. We had a loved one in our life that spoke to my wife, and uh, I excused my wife to go on a little car ride because I'm going to be the godly leader of my home. And I said to this person, don't ever speak in such a manner to my wife ever again. Don't do it. Well, you're a pastor at church. You're threatening somebody. I wasn't threatening anything. Don't do it. You have hard, strong boundaries. And I'm not talking about being a severe person or being a Scrooge. I'm talking about not letting people, in the name of some off-brand of love, railroad you into thinking that you're wrong because you won't go along with their delusion. That's one of the big problems in our world today. Wow. i got to press on. Number four, never retaliate. Write that down. Never retaliate. Here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about spiritual warfare. I'm not talking about our country going to battle. I'm not talking about being a pacifist. I'm talking about in our daily life and in the arguments and fights and quarrels that we find ourselves in in our Christian walk, don't retaliate. Make the decision to rise above that and be a person who's going to hold yourself on a different plane. Let me read it for you out of 1 Peter chapter 3. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Ah, that is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you a blessing. 1 Peter 3.9. I'm just proud of myself because I didn't take my shoe off and hit him in the face. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just happy because I didn't tell him off. I got to bless them, you know, and blessing in the Bible, it's either talking about financially blessing somebody or speaking words of life, like there's cursings. God bless you, you know. Thank you. Can you just remove the knife out of my back, you know. I bless you. And here's, here's what I found. I've been, I've been stabbed in the back. And what I wanted to pray was God I pray for the anointing of Elisha to call down bears and maul them. <laughs> pour, hot, pour hot oil on them, God. Get them, you know. I'm a justice guy. Let's, let's have a conversation, find out who's wrong, and punish them. I mean, that's, that's not the best thing for me. I got to bless them. Now, here's what God isn't asking for you to do is, is to affirm the wrong they did. Uh, it's not even asking to support in any kind of way. I mean, you can pray for him. You don't have to pray down hellfire and brimstone, but you can pray, God, how about this? They don't even know what they're doing. They don't get it. If they got it, God, they wouldn't be acting like this. God, I pray they see the light. I forgive them, God. I'm not going to hold this against them. It's what they're doing is crazy, and they're so ignorant. <laughs> God, I know you can't heal stupid, but in this case, try, you know, like... 
and you get real before the Lord and actually do pray for them, I'm telling you, it'll affect your heart. It'll affect what you're doing. It really will. And so the Bible does say, Jesus does teach, turn the other cheek. So if somebody was to hit you, you present the other cheek. That is to say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm not even going to acknowledge that. Let's have a fresh start. Let's go about this another way. If it's at all possible, try to have reconciliation. Try to have peace. It isn't always possible, but try. Aim for that. And what you'll see is, is God do his thing. One caveat, and i got to say it, domestic violence. God is not asking you to turn the other cheek to get beat on again. In fact, if you're dealing with any kind of home situation or other where there's abuse or violence and you're getting taken advantage of, please come and tell me after church. We want to help you. In fact, we got some tough guys at the church that want to help that person out back. <laughs> Go show them that new playground that I'm building. <laughs> God has not called you to abuse. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. And at the same time, aside from that, with Jesus' last breaths, they beat forgiveness for those people that were crucifying him, saying, forgive them, God, for they don't know. Number five, release them. I've given up on trying to fix people. I've got to just fix myself. How do I do it, Pastor Joe? It's so hard. Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Oh, Pastor Joe, I really want you to preach a deep message. Listen to me, church. This is deep into the pool. You want deep? Love your enemies. I can't think of anything more deep or hard in the Bible. You're going to have to make the decision to release people that have done bad to you, and you're going to find out really holy you are when somebody does you wrong, takes advantage of you. But Jesus said, blessed are you who are persecuted. In other words, when you go through some of the hardship for taking your high standard, when you go through some of people talking because you got a boundary, I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed for it because your kids are going to love you. You're going to save your marriage before it crumbles. You're going to have peace in your own life and stop trying to prove something to everyone else. And it's difficult, I understand, to pray for somebody because they don't deserve it, right? In our mind, they, they did wrong. They did poo-poo. They don't deserve it. But New Chapel, we honor when others don't honor. And we speak well of people when others do not speak well. Last point, number six, live redemptively. Live redemptively. I want to show you this, show you how this works. Ephesians 4.32, what do we do about this? Instead... Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Some of you in the room are dealing with unforgiveness. It wasn't just a difficult person. It was a true abuser in the worst way. And they beat on you. For some of you, you were abused sexually. And this is real stuff for you. Pastor Joe, I mean, I can't forgive them. I'm going to let them off the hook. No, you're not letting them off the hook. In fact, you might still need to report something, everybody, but you can forgive them because here's God's perspective. It's so wild. When you've been forgiven by him, you'll get the ability to forgive others that have wronged you. And you'll never have to forgive somebody else more then he's already forgiven you. 
however heinous what they did. In the faith chapter of the Bible, Mark 11, what does it say? Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Ah. Oh. If you leave this place today with unforgiveness in you, it's on you. And I get it. For most in, in that spot, you were the one that was taken advantage of. I get it. It's, it's not fair. You don't know what they did. I don't know what they did. I know what God did. You don't know what it means to me. Let me just tell you, I do. I may not know exactly what you're going through, but I've been there. God, with a mighty hand, saved this wreck forgave me, and the least I can do, I'm going to forgive them. They don't have to be in my life at all, at all. God's not asking that of you. But I'm going to walk through this thing with peace. Wow. Johanna, my mother-in-law, during the season I'm describing to you, she was very sick. She had breast cancer, and uh, they called her the pink tornado. I mean, she was tough, man. I mean, she woke up and gargled gravel. Tough chick. And she beat it so many times. We kept on having these relapses. You know, for her and I, it was a difficult season, but I tried to be respectful. Uh, I never acted in a way that I'd be embarrassed of. And it, it was a rough go, just to be honest. If you're looking for some great resolution moment, uh, if any, it was our wedding uh, Kaya told me that when we got married, you just watch, it'll be completely different. I was like, people don't do that. Your mom hates my guts. You know, like, I don't know about this. And so we got married. Kaya's mom didn't even like it. She didn't like the wedding. Sit there, look angry <laughs> the whole time. I'm a man of God. I'm just trying to tell you that people go through stuff. And that night she loved me. It was so weird. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> That's not a great example, but thank God we were able to build a relationship. And even while she was sick, we would wake up early. Kai and I would stay over the night for a weekend or something like that. We were in town and have breakfast, and she and I would end up having coffee and tea together and having great conversations. And We actually really liked each other. I think a lot of it was we were a lot like each other. And, uh, and so, so we, we built this relationship. Well, she was sick the last time that she checked into the hospital before she passed. They ask you all kinds of questions when you do that. And one of the questions is just about your family. Are you married? How long? And do you have any kids? How many kids do you have? And I remember being in the room when she said, I have five. My oldest is Joe. There was redemption. There was hope. I thought she hated my guts. Just really loved her daughter and did goofy stuff. But <laughs> we made peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peace must, it must be made. It doesn't just happen. So she made it. Now I can look back and say, thank God. Thank God that that happened. That is the Lord and that is our family. 
Pastor Joe, it's so hard to forgive. God doesn't, how could he even possibly understand? I want to read you a passage out of the Bible, then pray for us. Hebrews 2. That's why. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all of the testing, and he'd be able to help. Wow. Be able to help where it was needed. That's your God. That's what he wants to do in the room right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's let God have his way for just a moment. Nobody looking around, if you would. I just want to have a moment of ministry. So many in the room, there's a face of somebody that did you wrong, that's difficult. It's bubbling up. I'm not even searching right now. It's ever-present in front of your mind right now. It's a name. It's a person. Some people in the room, you got a list. I get it. I get it. My childhood was poverty, abuse, and neglect. I understand. I don't understand everything you're going through, but I understand. You've got images that are popping up of people and, and even mention their name. It is hellfire that spits out of your mouth. Friend, you can't live that way. They lied, they accused, they betrayed. Friend, you can't live that way. And today, you, you can have freedom. We're going to pray and do some ministry, but maybe you still need to make a phone call. Like, text wouldn't, text wouldn't even help. You've got to call somebody. You've got you to show up at somebody's house and make it right. Whatever that means. And walk out of their life or try to broker some peace. Whatever it is, but you know who it is right now. What I want to do is I want to pray for us. Give us an opportunity. Some of you, it is heart-wrenching to even talk along these lines. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us, but I want you to just kind of be with me on this prayer. And as we're doing it, I want you to let that person go and forgive them. It doesn't mean what they did was right. It doesn't mean you allow them to do it. But it means you forgive them. You're going to take that pass, and you're going to move on with your life. If you have anything against anybody, now's your moment. I'm going to pray. You can just sit there silently, but trek with me on this prayer. Oh, God, I pray right now that, Lord, those people that have been difficult, that have been crazy makers in my life, in our life, God, those people that have been agitators, God, the abusers, the people that went too far, said too much, that hurt with malice, the people that are unrepentant about it. We've held things against them. And God, we can't do it. And so right now, we forgive them and we release them right now in Jesus' name. We're not condoning what they did. But we're saying, God, you're judge. And whether in this life or the next, you will make things right. We forgive. Lord, there's somebody in the room that's fighting right now. 
Every time they forgive, they do it, but they're doing it mentally. It's not a heart thing. I just, friend, I want, I want you just to allow yourself to go there here right now. Just do it right now. Go there in your heart and forgive them. Let it lift. And God, I ask that you'd help us all to figure out how to move forward. Whether it's putting a wall up and blocking that person out because they're toxic or whether it's having high boundaries or whether it's getting over some things. I think that we're all at different levels. And so, God, I pray for people that are trying to figure out how to navigate this moving forward. They haven't had a great example. They're going to be the people to be the example for others. God, I thank you for freedom right now. You're taking that unforgiveness out of your heart, God says, and you're, you're, it, what hap- default freedom is rushing into people's hearts right now. Just let that happen. Just sit there for a second. Let that freedom stew in your heart. That's what's going to make it possible because it's hard to forgive some of the people that have done you wrong. You're free, man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, if there's anybody in the room that doesn't know you, help me to find them in Jesus' name. Head, heads bowed still, please, just in the same atmosphere of prayer. God sent his son Jesus. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. He lived a perfect and sinless life, and he died on a cross with your name on it. The Bible says when you call him Lord, boss, when you're tired of being the God over your own life and you make Jesus Lord, the Bible says you're saved. That, that gives you eternity in heaven. You avoid a Christless hell. But, but more, that eternal life, that peace and freedom that you desire so bad in this wild, wild world, that freedom can come into your heart today. And so we're going to say a prayer. Christians in the room, I want you to say it is a declaration of your faith. And also I want you to say it because you support those people that are saying it for the first time. Church, I want you to pray this with me out loud and proud. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Louder than that, come on, somebody. That's what gives you the ability to forgive. Amen, somebody? Hey, if you prayed that for the first time, just with everybody staying still, if you prayed that for the first time, we're so proud of you. And the people that are sitting around of you, they, they gave it up for you because we're proud of the decision. We made that decision at some point. And, and so we want to help you take next steps. If you could either fill out one of those connection cards that we talked about for visitors and people with prayer requests, or go online to newchapel.com. Click the Connect With Us tab. Let us know that you accepted Christ. 
I am happy to announce that last week, 26 people gave their life to Christ at New Chapel. Come on, somebody. 26? And so listen, people are, are, are accepting Christ every day. If you made that decision, let us know about it. We want to help you as your church with next steps. One more time, church, let's give it up for those people. Stand up on your feet, gang. Hey, are you enjoying the series FAQ? Did you get anything out of today? Now listen, I, I know next week is really going to help you. Everybody say next week. Next week, we're going to be talking about how do I engage in culture? How do I like... How do I live life again? And I get it, like it's a poo-poo. We're not allowed to go have fun just yet, but, uh, but pretty soon we will be able to, and I kind of forgot. And, and so I want to I help you both with that, but then also like how do we engage with this world when my school's acting crazy, my kids' school's acting crazy, when, when coworkers are being pretty publicit about things I don't agree with. I want to help you with that. So listen, bring somebody with you next week. It's going to be a great week for this FAQ series altogether. Uh, last announcement before I pray for you, and that is we are having water baptisms today. And so we baptized two people in between first and second service. If you've never been baptized, today's your day. We have clothes for you to change. If you just come up down here, I'll meet you, and I'll send you off where you need to go. You can put clothes on, get you baptized and out of there. And they bought a little heater. Jesus. <laughs> so it's not as it's it's warm in Jesus name. And so um but we've heard good things, and, and so we want, it, we, want, we want you to get baptized. And so if you've never been baptized, make today your day to do that. We want the waters of baptism never to run dry at New Chapel. Amen, somebody? There's coming a day where we're going to install that horse trough somewhere around here and get some water hooked up to it. But uh, next week's going to be great. Baptism's right here at New Chapel Connect, 15 minutes after we dismiss. Let me pray for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.